you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer. This is Affordable Interior Design, the podcast. Here's your host, Betsy Hellman. I am officially in spring cleaning mode. I have completely redecorated the storefront here in Dobbs Ferry on Main Street. I have taken down the old pictures, I've patched the holes, and by me, I mean my handyman, came by. We gotta love Francisco. He patched all the holes, sanded, repainted. I completely moved the furniture around. I put the bed, yes, I have a queen-size bed in my storefront, smack dab in the middle of the room. So that way I could divide the room into three zones, one near the front windows that would have welcoming seating, a conference table so that people could feel like they could come in, discuss their projects with me. Right in the middle is the bed, which I do think is a problematic placement because I do like to take naps in that bed. No, I really take naps like right after lunch or whenever I'm feeling a little fatigued, I will lay down in that bed and people can clearly see me in the storefront windows. So that's why I preferred when the bed was in the back and I could hide myself by building a fort out of the large Euro shams. Yeah, all my secrets come out here on the podcast. But I needed to move the bed in the center of the room because I have created a set, a set for AID TV, which is in the back of my storefront space. Because as I was recording the videos for AID TV, which is launching so, so soon on YouTube, I can't wait to tell you more about it. But as I was recording the videos, it is so annoying to hear the honking, the dog barking. So while I can't completely remedy that as long as I am here on Main Street, I did figure that I would just put it in the back, right? Put it in the back. And that way, I will be a little buffered from that street noise, also from the street distractions, because it is really distracting when I'm looking at the window on Main Street and I see a car car whooshing by, or fire trucks racing to an emergency, or even just like a high schooler who's acting goofy. Uh, So hopefully I'll have more concentration and a more professional sounding setting by moving that set to the back of my storefront. As you guys may have heard in my plea for the vote for the FedEx grant, which I don't know if I'm going to get yet, fingers are crossed, I hope you guys voted because 
I will use those funds to build out a studio and brand new spanking office space in my garage at my house. And that way I can make it totally soundproof. It will be in a quieter part of suburbia and I can truly make it my own rather than this rental space, which I will be devastated to give up, but I certainly won't be devastated to stop paying the rent. You hear me? Anyway, that's my witty banter before I dig into the mailbag. And speaking of the mailbag, I am whipping through these questions, people. So even though you've done a beautiful job of sending me your queries, I need more. Send them to info at affordableinteriordesign.com. No questions too small, no questions too silly. And as you've heard, if you do have a lot of questions, well, perhaps I'll even devote an entire episode to you. So write in to info at affordableinteriordesign.com. All right, let's talk to Jennifer. Jennifer has a question. Hi, Betsy. I love, love your podcast. I have a commute to work and your podcast makes that time so much more enjoyable. We have purchased our first house about a year ago. Slowly, I am trying to make this house ours. We have an open floor plan that I have tried to delineate into a breakfast room and a dining room. I have many questions, but the one that troubles me most involves lighting fixtures. Currently, we have ceiling fans. These are from the previous owners. We have them in both the living room and the breakfast room. We live, in, we live in Texas, so we may need to keep one fixture as a ceiling fan. Do you have suggestions for ceiling fans? Should they just be white to blend into the ceiling? What size should I use for an open floor plan? I would also like to put a lighting fixture above my 48-inch round table. Do you have any suggestions? It would be one of the first things you see when you walk into the house. Should it be a statement piece or should it be something simple? I would appreciate any ideas, any suggestions. Take care, Jennifer. Well, Jennifer, I'm happy to weigh in. Uh, Let's start with the ceiling fan question. Per your pictures, these two rooms are quite large. Now, I do feel it's a great opportunity to put a light fixture above your dining table. Let me answer that question first because it's faster. A 48-inch dining table is small. It's not a big table. Certainly, if it doesn't extend, it's really going to stay small all the time. So you should do a light fixture that is in proportion to the size of the table. Typically, 50% of the table or less. So that way, when you're actually sitting down at the table or standing up from your chair, you're not going to hit your face or head on the light fixture. So I would recommend something 20 inches or less in diameter. And because this is a round dining table, I would not go for a linear style pendant. I would go for a more circular orb-like or oblong or pear shape or teardrop shape um, chandelier, right? So that is my advice there. You should hang it so that there are between 29 and 32 inches from the top of that dining table to the bottom of the fixture. And, you know, you won't be able to get a dining table that extends. Well, you could get a dining table that extends, but you just want to make sure that when it's extended, that this light fixture is directly over the center of the table. 
because right now from your pictures, it looks like the current fixture, which is a ceiling fan, is off center from the table and that is not going to work. If you're gonna put a fixture above the table, it needs to be directly above the table unless it's a flush mount, right? And a flush mount is a light fixture that's tight to the ceiling, in which case it can just do its own thing. Now let's talk about your ceiling fan questions. Yes, I have a lot of feedback for you on ceiling fans. I don't necessarily think that a ceiling fan needs to be white. In fact, I really only like white ceiling fans in super modern spaces. For instance, a converted loft or just a very recently built apartment building or like a mid-century style home, perhaps. Something really, really contemporary. Something super sleek and uh, streamlined, excuse me. Or a bedroom, especially a kid's room. Especially, I tend to put them in girls' rooms, right? That white ceiling fan. In a living room space that's more transitional, traditional, or even just contemporary, uh, I would go with something that's not necessarily white. Uh, if it's going to have any elements of metal, then I want the metal finish of the ceiling fan to coordinate with the architectural finishes of the room. For instance, the doorknobs, the hinges, whatever metal finish those happen to be should be the metal finish that's reflected in the ceiling fan. Now, the ceiling fan could be a combination of metal and wood, right? Especially in a more traditional space, having a purely metal ceiling fan might feel like too contemporary of a selection. So if you are going to add a metal tone to your ceiling fan, then you want to make sure that it corresponds with the other architectural wood tones in the space. So if your floors are a mid-tone wood, then you want your ceiling fan to be a mid-tone wood as well. Now let's talk about the size of a ceiling fan because this is just math. These are just equations and you should follow them. So one of the guidelines should be if the length of the longest wall in the space is 12 feet or less, then the ceiling fan needs to be 36 inches in diameter or less. If the length of the longest wall in the room is 12 to 15 feet, then the ceiling fan needs to be between 40 and 48 inches in diameter. Now, if the length of the longest wall in the room is 15 feet plus, you should go for a ceiling fan that's 52 inches in diameter or bigger. Now let's talk about the height of the ceiling fan. From the floor to the blades of the ceiling fan, you need at least eight feet. Fans that are too close to the ceiling, they'll trap air. They're not gonna circulate the air throughout the room effectively. Now, say you have tall or vaulted ceilings, still, you need from the floor to the blade at least eight feet. You can even do nine feet in this situation. And you wanna make sure that you hang the fan in the center of the room, ideally. Now, you do need at least 18 inches from the end of the blade to any wall in the room. So say your ceiling fan happens to be off center and you can't change it, or say the room happens to be quite small. Again, that guideline is 18 inches from the end of the blade to the closest wall. 
All right, that is a lot of information. I hope you took some notes because it's all numbers. It's all math, Jennifer. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. I am so excited to announce that our show has a brand new sponsor, Industry West. It can be tough to find really great modern furniture and decor that's affordable. You also want it to feel as good as it looks. And I love that Industry West just generally makes you feel happy. I recently came upon them and their website is all about making it easy to discover and buy bold design that can keep up with your modern life. At Industry West, they believe that buying good design should be inspiring, fun, and easy. And I could not agree more. From dining and lounge chairs to sofas and end tables and more, Industry West offers high quality products and they go to great lengths to ensure customer happiness. If you're interested in surrounding yourself with inspired design that can make even your highest traffic rooms feel sophisticated, then you need to visit Industry West. Affordable interior design listeners can now get 20% off everything on their website. Just visit industrywest.com and enter promo code affordable at checkout. Once again, that's industrywest.com, enter promo code affordable at checkout. Happy shopping. My next question is from Jody Lynn. And Jody Lynn writes, Betsy, I heard your request for questions, and I think my interior design mistakes could fill months of your podcast. Oh no. Well, send them in, Jody Lynn. Our mailbag is light yet again. All right, let me dig into this question from today. So you mentioned, Betsy, we moved into our home this past September. I made almost all of the design decisions, and it shows. I didn't really understand your book, but I do now. Some of my choices are too modern for my sophisticated, comfy, transitional home. Number one, my biggest regret is the kitchen. It is a dark gray formica. I chose what I thought would be a nice combination of matte gray formica, off-white Caesar stone, and black handles. I thought the handles would make the gray look less industrial. Boy, was I wrong. It looks like I have a gray elephant in the middle of my house. I've thought of changing the handles. If so, to what type? I've thought of adding wooden shelves to the right or the left of the upper cabinets. What would you do? All right. So the way that you can help things feel less industrial is potentially to change those handles because that dark metal finish can feel very industrial. I would change it to whatever other architectural finish is in the room. And by architectural finish, I mean doorknobs, hinges. Look around. Are those things silver? Or are they the oil rub bronze or wrought iron finish that's this dark black metal? Let's say that they are the black metal. Maybe your handles are feeling too industrial or severe or contemporary because they're quite straight. Maybe you want to bring in a curve that will help to soften the visual look of that dark metal. Even if you transition to a brushed nickel, because that's the architectural finish of the other elements in the home, make sure that you incorporate some rounded edges to soften the harshness of that gray. Would I add wooden shelves? It's really hard to say. I mean, come on, listeners. I want you to, uh, you know, this is the same thing I say to my kids. Maybe you're listening to me, but that doesn't mean you're hearing me. How many times do I have to say, 
floating shelves are not my fave. They're not a thing that I regularly do. I wouldn't just slap them up as a band-aid to solve other problems, right? Because they bring their own host of problems. How are you going to style those shelves so that they don't look cluttery? How are you going to use those shelves to further the look you're going for through not only the styling, but also the material themselves? You know, if you slap up a raw wood shelf, well, it's only going to emphasize the industrial feel of these cabinets, right? Because raw wood is an industrial element. You may want to choose a wood that has some kind of detailing, right? Something slightly more refined, something with a nice finish. So that way it makes it feel more transitional and less bulky and industrial. I think what you need to do, Jody Lynn, is you need to find some inspiration pictures to help you soften all this gray because just going off of your ideas is sounding like you're having a hard time visualizing what the outcome will actually be. So maybe type in gray counter, or I'm sorry, gray cabinets with white countertops and see what comes up. Scroll through that imagery and and visualize, excuse me, your own situation. Are there elements that you could bring in, like maybe a backsplash that has curving lines that maybe has a cream color or something softer and warmer to offset that harsh harsh industrial feel? All right, let's move to your second question. Betsy, I cannot seem to decide on my color palette. We have a dark blue sofa. We have a rug left over from our last apartment and armchairs with dark teal pillows. There are lots of other greens, the front door, the closet doors, by the front door, the back doors that are in the same area. Also, I have yellow bar stools. Our curtains are a neutral dark linen. Do you see a color palette here? What should stay and what should go out of our living room furniture? What color rug should we get? Should we keep this one? Should we toss the armchairs? Should we reupholster them? If so, what color? What is missing in this room to give it a designerly feel? That's all for now. Maybe next email we can tackle my master bedroom. Thank you. I love listening to your podcast. You always make me smile. Well, I hope I make you smile after I answer this question because I am noticing a common theme here. I am noticing that you are listening to the podcast and not hearing the podcast. Jody Lynn, if you were here in my storefront right now, I'd give you a little smackdown and I'd say, what do you need to pull this room together? The answer has always been inside you, Jody Lynn. It's an inspiration piece. You do not randomly choose a color palette. You First, choose an inspiration piece that you love, that your family loves, that could tie this room together, that perhaps incorporates dark teal, dark blue, and yellow. Once you find that inspiration piece, be it the rug, be it a prominent piece of art, it could even be those drapes. Well, you pull your three colors from there, your 60, 30, 10, and you use those around the room for all your accents, all your color choices. So that way you stay really focused. You have done something right with the current color palette that you have. 
you have incorporated both cool colors as well as a warm color. So I'm very excited about that because if you would have told me that your color palette is dark blue, teal, and green exclusively, well, I would have said, Jody, Lynn, where's your warm color? And if you told me that your color palette was yellow, orange, and dark teal, or I'm sorry, yellow, orange, and uh, ruby red, I would have said, Jody Lynn, where's that dark teal? Where's our cool color? So you have that nice balance, which I'm excited to see, but I am not excited that you are feeling lost because the one thing that will help you feel found is that magical road map, that magical inspiration piece. So I want you to set out to find that and it sounds like you're going to have to work backwards. You're going to have to actively seek a piece that brings these tones together. So I can't actually tell you which item should stay and which item should go until you find that keystone. All right. So Jody, Jody Lynn, take these ideas I've given you and make sure that you think about them before you send those master bedroom questions, which I am more than ready to tackle, but I will not hesitate to give you a smackdown if I read things that break my rules. All right, let's move to the next question, which comes from Kara. Kara writes, Betsy, I'm excited to ask questions. First, what are some space planning and furniture arrangement tips that people often overlook and that can make a big difference in a family room or living room? So the number one thing that people overlook when creating the layout is they overlook that primary relationship between the sofa or the sectional, that most important piece of seating, and the focal point. Typically, the focal point is a TV when you're talking a living room or a family room. But a focal point can also be an amazing view if you don't have a TV. Or it can be a fireplace, which was the traditional focal point before we had TVs. So think about your space and first start by placing or finding that arrangement of the only those two pieces, the focal point and the piece of furniture from which you are viewing the focal point. Start only with those two things. And once you've found the optimum arrangement for those two things, then add in all those secondary uh, functions and furniture pieces. Your next question is, Betsy, I'd love any updates you can share on the best places to buy chairs. Okay, so I'll start with chairs because you have a couple other items. For buying chairs, I love West Elm. I love Macy's. If it's just more of a cute accent chair and it doesn't need to be super comfy, then you could look at places like Wayfair or Overstock that have amazing patterns and very adorable styles. But if you do want this to be a high quality, comfortable chair, you're going to need to sit on it before you buy it. That's why I recommend that you go to a store where you can actually experience this chair. And it's why I love Macy's and West Elm here on the East Coast, because they have beautiful showrooms and I do feel the quality of their chairs is great. You asked also about where I buy sofas. I buy sofas, again, only from places where I can sit on these sofas before I purchase them. Because yes, there are stores like Interior Define and Joybird where you can order a sofa online and then sit on it once it comes. And they have an amazing returns policy. So if you didn't like it, you can send it back. But who wants to send back a sofa, especially a custom sofa that you've waited weeks and weeks for, that you've invested emotionally in, and then it arrives and you're like, ugh, 
we don't like sitting on this thing. I really want you to sit on your sofa. My favorite places to get sofas right now are room and board, but it's a little bit pricey. Crate and barrel, but the styles are a little bit bulkier and again, a little bit pricey. Or Macy's, which has really great quality, an assortment of styles, an amazing returns policy, and great sales. There we go. You're also asking my favorite place to buy beds. The exciting thing about beds, and I'm meaning headboard and frame, not mattresses, but the exciting thing about buying a bed is that you can definitely find amazing quality and great deals online. I got my king size bed, which is tufted with nail heads, has a high headboard, and is just amazing. I got it from Wayfair for $700. It's a very similar look to ones at Restoration Hardware, which were four times the price, and the quality's awesome. Uh, so I do think that this is an item that you can buy online because the comfort is not really in the bed frame and headboard. The comfort is more in the mattress. And that's the thing that you need to sit on, jump on before purchasing. I think everybody has different specifications for what they feel is comfortable in a mattress, just like they do with a sofa. So you do want to try out several different mattresses. My favorite is the Heavenly Bed from Weston. You can buy that mattress on Weston's website, W-S-T-I-N, or you can find it on Pottery Barn. It's not the cheapest thing in the world, but I sure love mine. Uh, but like I said, the actual headboard and frame, go affordable. Check out Overstock, Wayfair, Hayneedle, um, Joss and Main, Birch Lane, allmodern.com. This is a place you can save some bucks and use those saved bucks to buy that really awesome mattress. Kara, it was such a pleasure answering your questions. If you do have more questions, you know where to send them. Info at affordableinteriordesign.com. Guys, until next week, happy designing. Bye. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.